Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Gideon has just passed away. He saved Israel from the Midianites, but all Abimelech comes up and he wants to be king. So he kills, he mass murders in one day at one time, all of Gideon's sons, a mass murder right there, kills them all. Anybody that he thought could be of, uh, that could challenge his claim to the title of king, he killed them all. And he got the Shechemites, the people of Shechem, to help him do it to kill all the seven, 70 sons of Gideon. And so now we're picking up from that part in Judges 9 and 22. After Abimelech had reigned over Israel three years, God sent a spirit of ill will between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. Well, first of all, right there, the spirit of ill will that God sent, that is a demon. Now, you're thinking, okay, ill will, that sounds right, demon, but God does that? You know, a lot of people in your your traditional way of thinking out there in the United States today, they don't really know that God does this kind of thing. Well, it says it right here. Why the, The fact that God would use a demon for accomplishing anything. This isn't the first time God has done something like this. If you look back to 1 Samuel in 16.14 up here, it says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. God's going to do this more than once. And so people, they have a hard time wondering why God would utilize an evil spirit. I think the proper view, one proper view to take here in such a scenario as this, is that guys like Saul and Abimelech, when they live a life of such disobedient evil like this, you, they open themselves up to demonic oppression. And it's same for you and me. When we live disobedient in evil ways, you open yourself up to tormenting spirits. And they had done this. These guys opened themselves up to demonic oppression. Now, this viewpoint is easy for us to understand. Okay, you mess up, the the demonic comes in. But we still have to reckon with the fact that Scripture says God sent the Spirit. We're still in the same boat, that God sent that Spirit of ill will. God actually ordered the Spirit of ill will to go and do this. And people struggle with the fact that God would do such a thing. But God is doing this to execute judgment. And judgment, when it is executed on the unrepentant, it can be very severe and very tough. And God does this sort of thing to put an end to an evil reign. He did it that way with Saul. He's about to do it with with Abimelech. Abimelech is a mass murderer. He's not just some kind of not-so-nice guy. He just killed 70 sons of Gideon. He's a mass murderer. He's extremely disobedient. He's very damaging. He cannot be allowed to continue continue in such a way. And so God is totally justified in sending this evil spirit to execute judgment on Abimelech. 
And so it says Abimelech ruled for three years. Now, there's another one that we kind of have a hard time with. He killed all these guys. What's he doing ruling for three years? You would think, oh, I get, look at me. I've been chugging along for three years. Everything must be okay. Not when there's a troubling spirit messing with your house. No, there's not. You ask the question, how could he be king for three whole years? That's not fair. This spirit of ill will was really stirring the pot for Abimelech. It's, if you've had anything troubling you for several years, it's not a picnic. And so his three-year reign, I'm sure it wasn't very fun. I'm sure it wasn't what he thought it was going to be. It's probably not the way he thought it would turn out. I imagine Abimelech's life was a lot better before he was king. (laughs) And so this demon was sent by God so that the curse that Jotham had pronounced on them earlier in the chapter, he says, Abimelech, you're going to mess them up, and the Shechemites, you're going to mess him up. This proclamation, this curse that was proclaimed on them is going to start taking effect. And the reason that Abimelech had a three-year rule is because it's three years of setting the stage for all of this to start coming down. Three years of rule? Wait a minute. This is three years of setup towards judgment. That's what's going on here. Now, these people here, they have this demon sent between them and Abimelech by God so that Jotham's curse to them would be fulfilled from verse 20. They were warned. That's all I can say is these people were warned, but nobody repented. As a matter of fact, it said earlier that Jotham had to run away. He was scared because apparently the people didn't take it well. He ran off. Nobody repented here. And so verse 23 says the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. Now verse 24. They dealt treacherously with him that the crime done to the 70 sons of Jerubel, that's Gideon, might be settled and their blood be laid on Abimelech, their brother, who killed them, and on the men of Shechem, who aided him in the killing of his brothers. Okay, these men are guilty of a crime. They're very guilty of this crime, and the blood has to be laid upon Abimelech and Shechem, which means the guilt of this crime has to be put upon them. The blood is on them. They are accountable for the lives that they took. Now, I want you to hold on to this thought right here, this whole thought about you're guilty, the blood goes on you. You hold on to that. Hang on to that thought for a minute, that the guilt is being placed upon the ones who committed the crime, the ones who are guilty. Now, Judges 9 and 25. And the men of Shechem set men in ambush against him on the tops of the mountains, and they robbed all who passed by them along the way. And it was told Abimelech. Now, the reason these men of Shechem, the reason they started ambushing people who passed by is so that they would rob Abimelech of tributes and tolls that the people would have been bringing to him. The travelers that are coming to him, they are, they're stealing that from Abimelech. They're cutting off his income by ambushing all these people that are traveling through here. They're trying to put the squeeze on Abimelech. And so it's reported to Abimelech that this is being done against him. And so like the hothead he is, apparently he's going to respond. <laughs> Abimelech is going to pop and go play, and he's going to play right into the curse that Jotham had pronounced on them. You see what's going on. The Shechemites are working against Abimelech, and Abimelech is going to start working against the, Shechem, uh, the Shechemites. Just like Jotham said, here's how it's being set up. And so let's watch how this unfolds as they start to tear each other down. Judges 9 and 26. 
Now Gael, the son of Ebed, came with his brothers and went over to Shechem, and the men of Shechem put their confidence in him. So they went out into the fields and gathered grapes from their vineyards and trod them and made merry. And they went into the house of their God and ate and drank and cursed Abimelech. Then Gael, the son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech and who is Shechem that we should serve him? Is he not the son of Jerubel, and is not Zebul his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem, but why should we serve him? If only this people were under my authority, then I would remove Abimelech. So he said to Abimelech, increase your army and come out. Trash talking. <laughs> Trying to taunt you out here. Come on, man, let's do it. You can hear that. You know, it's never a good thing when men get drunk together and start thinking they're better than somebody else. That's been going on for centuries, and here it is right here. But this is what's fueling them up, and they're getting stirred up by the words of Gael, son of Ebed, who moved to Shechem and became their leader. As it says in verse 26, it says the Shechemites put their confidence in him. Now they're starting to disregard the rule of Abimelech. No, no, we're not following Abimelech. Now we like this guy. So there's already a divisive conflict. That spirit of ill will is doing a job, isn't he? He's tearing them up. And I've seen the spirit of ill will get in churches. Don't let that in here. So anyway, they put their confidence in him. And so the mention of them being in the house of their God, it tells us that they most certainly did not heed Jotham's warning. Jotham said, listen to me, that God will listen to you. Well, they're off in this little, these are Israelites, by the way, the Shechemites. They're in the house of their God, lowercase g, G-O-D. That's not the God of Israel. Not going to be good for them, is it? They had Jotham's warning, but they didn't repent. They would have gotten right with the God of Israel if they'd repented. But no, they're getting stupid drunk in the house of their false God. And so rather than being humbled down by the God of Israel and bowing the knee and we're sorry, we're sorry, instead, they're getting drunk and they're wanting to go fight somebody. We're not going to stoop to this guy. Not going to turn out well. And so they stir each other up where Gael sends a challenge to Abimelech to call out his entire army. He's talking pretty big. Gael is feeling pretty invincible right now. They call it liquid courage for a reason. He feels pretty bulletproof. And so now Gael has drank himself into a fight with Abimelech. Now, to imagine guys this far back in history getting drunk and wanting to fight somebody, that, it just hadn't changed. Some guy gets drunk, he wants to fight with somebody. It's, it's no big, it, it, nothing's changed. Proverbs 29 and 11 says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. You ever just want to, oh, I'm going to let that guy have it. <laughs> I'm going to tell him what, and I'm going to let him. Or One thing I hear these days is people saying, I just tell everybody what I think, and I don't care what people think. The Bible says you're a fool. You don't need to tell anybody what you think. You just keep it to yourself. Represent Jesus Christ. You don't have to go telling everybody what you think. Anyway, but Gail had just mouthed off. He put it all out there, didn't he? And he's going to set himself up for trouble. And because he mouthed off in an ungodly way, it's going to turn out bad. And what we're going to see is here is never puff up like this. Don't puff up and pop like this. It'll get you in trouble. It's not going to turn out good for you. It's not going to turn out good for him. Judges 9 and 30. 
When Zebul, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gael, the son of Ebed, his anger was aroused. Now you got one hothead after another hothead. Verse 31, And he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly, saying, Take note, Gael, the son of Ebed, and his brothers have come to Shechem, and here they are fortifying the city against you. Now therefore, get up by night, you and the people who are with you, and lie in wait in the field. And it shall be, as soon as the sun is up in the morning, that you shall rise early and rush upon the city. And when he and the people who are with him come out against you, you may then do to them as you find opportunity. Abimelech ain't playing. He never did, did he? He's a ruthless guy. Zebul, this guy, he's the governor of the city. And he's one of the guys that Gael had specified at his little drinking party. He called him out, remember? He says, he said, is not Zebul Abimelech's officer? And so Zebul, he's got this target on his back now, along with Abimelech. But when Zebul hears about their challenge, how does Zebul react? How does Zebul react? Does he react by getting down on his knees to pray to God first like Gideon did? Before Gideon went to war, Gideon got on his knees. Oh, Lord God, give me guidance. Give me strength. Actually, Lord, I can't even do this. Who am I? No, Zebul's standing up. He ain't bound to nobody. I'm going to go get these guys. You see the difference between Gideon and Zebul. You got a humble guy. You got, a pr- you got proud guys. Proud guys fall. Proud guys fall. Zebul did not seek God's counsel. Instead, he got mad. His anger was aroused. The powder keg blew up. I know there's a lot of you, I'm one of them, that have a bad temper. And it can pop easy. But if you're saved in Jesus Christ, you've also been given grace. And grace teaches you to say no to ungodliness. Maintain, compose yourself. That's the way godly people behave. James 1.20 says, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's something for us all to learn. Not just these guys here. Now, on one side, you've got prideful Gale talking trash. On the other side, you've got Zebul who blows up over it. This is an important situation for us to take notice of because situations like this happen among people all the time. Still, to this day, <laughs> somebody talks big, somebody responds with anger, and this is exactly how ungodliness plunges people into war with one another. Just turn on the news, and you'll see it. Somebody talking big here, well, somebody over here has to pop back, and everybody's mad at each other. God help this country. We as believers of Messiah Jesus, we have to learn how to react better than this so that we can be the cause of producing peaceful and godly results, not war and anger and fighting. So Zebul's anger was aroused by Gael's tauntings, Judges 9 and 34. So Abimelech and all the people who were with him rose by night and lay in wait against Shechem in, in four companies. When Gael the son of Ebed went out and stood in the entrance to the city of the gate, Abimelech and the people who were with him rose from lying in wait. And when Gael saw the people, he said to Zebul, Look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. But Zebul said to him, You see the shadows of the mountains as if they were men. So Gael spoke again and said, See, people are coming down from the center of the land, and another company is coming from the diviner's terebinth tree. Then Zebul said to him, Where indeed is your mouth now? Ooh. (laughs) 
got you back, boy. I can just see the attitude in there. Where indeed is your mouth now in which you said, who is Abimelech that we should serve him? Are not these the people whom you despised? Go out, if you will, and fight with them now. So Gael went out, leading the men of Shechem, and fought with Abimelech. And Abimelech chased him, and he fled from him. And many fell wounded to the very entrance of the gate. Then Abimelech dwelt at Aramah, and Zebul drove out Gael and his brothers, so that they would not dwell in Shechem. Wow, what Zebul just did? Zebul provoked Gael into coming outside of the protection of his city. He got him to come out. Verse 35, it says, Gael stood in the entrance of the city of the gate. He's still standing right there within the protection of his own city. But Zebul continued to mess with him until it says in verse 39 that Gael went out. (laughs) Zebul suckered Gael out of there, didn't he? He got him to come out. This guy just couldn't take the talk. He had to come out and answer to it. Guys, when somebody provokes you, don't ball your fists up. Calm down. Calm down. As a believer in Messiah Jesus, you represent Christ. Stay in your protection. Gail didn't do that. He fell for it, and he got in trouble. Zebul suckered him out of there. Where's your mouth now? And Gail's fighters were wiped out. Smart move, Gail. (laughs) Should have done a little better than that. That's what a big mouth will get for you. Judges 9 and 42. And it came about on the next day that the people went out into the field, and they told Abimelech. So he took his people, divided them into three companies, and lay in wait in the field. And he looked, and there were the people coming out of the city, and he rose against them and attacked them. Then Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood at the entrance of the, city of, of the gate of the city, And the other two companies rushed upon all who were in the fields and killed them. So Abimelech fought against the city all that day. He took the city and killed the people who were in it, and he demolished the city and sowed it with salt. Okay, so every day the people came out of the city to work their field. It's like we're going to work. We're going out to the fields now. And Abimelech took advantage of their work schedule to kill them all. They're not in the safety of their city. They came out to the fields, kind of like he drew... Kind of like they drew uh, Gael out. The people are coming out to just go to work. And Abimelech kills them. This Abimelech is one bloodthirsty guy, isn't he? He's just killing people all over the place. Killing everybody at will. Now, sowing the city with salt was a symbolic sentence of infertility. That's why he did that. The Bible speaks in many places about barren, unproductive places as being salty. Uh, the Dead Sea is very salty. Nothing lives in it. And so it, he sowed it with salt as a trying to be like a testament against it. May you never produce anything again. He's trying to curse the city beyond just killing the people. You already killed everybody. Now you're going to sow salt on it. I mean, this guy is adding layer upon layer. Judges 9 and 46. Now, when all the men of the tower of Shechem had heard that, they entered the stronghold of the temple of the god Bereth. And it was told Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. Then Abimelech went up to Mount Zalman, he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bow from the trees and took it and laid it on his shoulder. Then he said to the people who were with him, What you have seen me do, make haste and do as I have done. So each of the people likewise cut down his own bow and followed Abimelech put them against the stronghold, and set the stronghold on fire above them, so that all the people of the Tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men 
and women. A thousand now. Seventy sons of Gideon. A thousand people here in this one event. How many people were in the field? We don't know. People just dying by the hundreds, if not thousands. Now, this group of people here, they're probably from the same city of those that he had just killed out in the field. He killed the people in the field, and now the people in the city heard about it. They went in to to get in a place of protection inside the city. But Abimelech killed them too. Now, we have to remember something, though. These are people that just died. It is sad, I know. But these are people who were okay with the murder of Gideon's 70 sons. They were fine with that because they established Abimelech as king and went on about their lives. They were okay. Well, 70, whatever. Okay, let's just get back to work. And so now they went down for it. You see how God thinks about this sort of attitude. Judgment is now here, and there's nowhere to run. Judges 9 and 50. Then Abimelech went to Thebes, and he encamped against Thebes and took it. But there was a strong tower in the city, and all the men and women, all the people of the city, fled there and shut themselves in. Then they went up to the top of the tower. So Abimelech came as far as the tower and fought against it. And he drew near the door of the tower to burn it with fire. But a certain woman dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and he said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, lest men say of me a woman killed him. So his young man thrust him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. Thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his father by killing his 70 brothers. And all the evil of the men of Shechem God returned on their own heads, and on them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jeroboam. Hey, you asked for it, men. Did Jotham not come warn them? Why would God send somebody to warn you? For you to repent. To give you a chance to go, I'm sorry. I did very wrong. And they even after, even after 70 guys were killed, God still gave them an opportunity to repent of even that. But they didn't. You know, you might get away with something bad once. Maybe twice. Maybe, t- maybe ten times. You might get away with it for three years. But eventually, sin catches up with you just like it did for Abimelech. Abimelech was a killing machine. He was unstoppable. Who can stop this guy? But because God's curse was upon Abimelech, judgment fell on him. You could say a millstone fell on him too. Judgment got him. And he tried to cover it up by having his guy thrust him through. He tried to cover up how he died. Um, but he died in disgrace, just like the disgrace that he was. And it has been forever publicized in God's Word. We're all knowing about it, even this many centuries later, he tried to cover it up. Guys, we're, if we're in this sin that God says stop doing, and you keep doing it, but I've gotten away with it this long, trust me, it will catch up to you. And not only will it catch up to you, but it could become known. I think right now is a good time for you to get right with Jesus, don't you? Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.